0: It's a bit for one-off today. Um, we're taking a break from Nehemiah, and I'm going to preach on a psalm. Um, now, we're probably all conscious that at any time in the church's life, there will be people going through really tough times. Uh, there'll be illness, there'll be grief, uh, difficult circumstances, opposition, even persecution. So, suffering for some people is is ever present. So we can't just say, it's just a season, or soon it will be over, uh, and then we can move on. Because although that might be true for an individual, uh, there will always be someone else going through tough times. And so we need to learn to walk through suffering together as a church. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn, says Paul in Romans 15. How do we live life in a minor key? As it were, how do we walk through suffering together as a church? So, we're taking a break from Nehemiah, and uh, I want us to look at Psalm 13. Um, It's a psalm of lament. A lament is a prayer offered in pain that leads to trust. A psalm of lament, Psalm 13 it's only six verses but i'm going to refer to others as well but let me read psalm 13 says how long lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me how long must i wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart how long will my enemy triumph over me look on me and answer lord my god Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I reckon about a third of the Psalms are Psalms of Lament. But when did you last hear a a talk on a psalm of lament? Um, I can't remember hearing one. How many of our worship songs are songs of lament? Uh, There are some around, but few make it into congregational worship. You might remember one from many years ago written by Graham Kendrick, Who Can Sound the Depths of Sorrow. Um, Certainly we used to sing that quite a lot. And it's not that modern songwriters aren't writing laments, because they are. Uh, Wren Collective um, have a lament called Weep With Me. uh, And Phil Wickham has a song called When My Heart Is Torn Asunder on his Ascension album. Um, But they're not the kind of songs that get sung corporately. I'm willing to be corrected on that, but uh, that's my perception. So what sort of message is this today? Well, I'm not trying to answer the why question why does god allow suffering Uh, that's an apologetics question Uh, i do have a talk on that which i've given but this isn't it um that's andy's area why does god allow suffering (laughs) um nor am i trying to explain how god works through suffering there's plenty to say about that but that's not this talk either my focus is how do we navigate suffering how do we learn to walk through the valleys by using biblical lament because suffering is a fact of life and no one is exempt anyone who hasn't suffered just hasn't lived long enough we all have our own story Uh, no one's suffering is the same Uh, some people seem to have more to bear than others but we should probably avoid comparisons because uh, suffering is still suffering even though we experience it in different ways You might be thinking, well, what does he know about suffering? Um, So I'm going to tell you, just because most of you don't know me, you don't know my story, so it might help to know what my experience has been. And it might seem trivial compared to what you're going through. But we can only live the life that we've been given. Uh, Each person must carry their own load, as Paul says in Galatians. So just three things that I uh, can pick out. I know about grief. Um, I lost my dad six years ago last Wednesday. Uh, and So family gatherings have never been the same since. But I do not grieve as the world does because I know I'm going to see him again in the new world. I know about relationship heartache. I was engaged to someone who decided six weeks before the wedding she didn't want to marry me. That was 25 years ago. I'm over it now. Um, but at the time, I thought that was it. I thought that was my last chance. And I was condemned to singleness for the rest of my life. So if you're here single, worried, don't worry. God has his time for you. And I was depressed for a few months, but six years later, I married Liz. So that turned out all right. God had something much better planned. I could say other things, but she's, she's not here this morning. Um, and I know about ministry failure. I pastored a church in Sheffield for 12 years, but um, towards the end, it got very difficult. lost the support of half the church, really, and uh, we couldn't go on. I ended up resigning. Um, tough time. And it's only since coming here uh, and sort of becoming part of the church here that I started to feel that maybe I'm not on the scrap heap anymore. That maybe God does still have a role for me in his church. And yet, despite these things, I feel greatly blessed. I'm in good health, apart from being half-deaf in one ear. I'm happily married. My kids are in church. We have quite a nice life. God has blessed us. But days of trial and testing will come to us all in one way or another. And so we need to know how we're going to respond when suffering does come our way. Sudden death. Unexpected letter or email that devastates us a tragic accident we do not know what tomorrow holds there are wrong responses to suffering firstly denial that's a wrong response you may have been in churches that are always upbeat that don't want to hear about people's struggles so people pretend that everything is fine when of course it isn't Yes, we can celebrate that Jesus is on the throne in heaven, but that's the point. He is not yet enthroned on earth, so there are no grounds for triumphalism. We live in a fallen world and no one is immune from life's pain and struggles. Another wrong response is stoicism. Now, it's good to have strong shoulders. It's good to be able to endure As long as we realize that the strength to do so comes from God. And if we're still standing, it's because God gives us the strength. Suffering is not a test of our ability to endure in our own strength, rather, it's a test of our faith, who we rely on in hard times. And then the other wrong response to suffering is despair. When someone reaches the point of saying, God doesn't care, what's the point? I might as well throw in the towel. And sadly, some do that um, just because of suffering. The parable of the sower indicates that in uh, Mark 4. It says, those who are like the seed sown on rocky soil fall away when trouble or persecution comes. So rather than denial or stoicism or despair, the Bible encourages us to Lament. So let's look at what we can learn from biblical lament. Uh, There are lots of examples, but Psalm 13 I've chosen because it's short and it shows the basic structure. There's three parts to it. There's complaint, verses 1 and 2. Then there's a request, verses 3 and 4. And then trust, verses 5 and 6. So it starts with suffering and ends in worship. So let's just look at those three elements. Firstly, there's complaint. Here, the question is, how long? How long must this go on? David uh, feels abandoned by God. God seems absent, far away. And this sense of abandonment finds expression in confused thoughts and a sorrowful heart. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day have sorrow in my heart. And it seems to be linked to opposition. How long will my enemy triumph over me? It seems that there's, there's external threat here. So the how long question is, is a big part of lament. But, and the other common question in lament is why? If you just turn back to Psalm 10, uh, verse 1, we see the why question. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Or famously, Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, Lord, in all this? Don't you care? You see, lament speaks into all of life's suffering. Why is this happening? How long must it go on for? And the Psalms of Lament give us permission to bring our struggles uh, and our honest questions to God and to express them. Some people feel it's a bit irreverent to question God. They say, well, I couldn't talk to God like that. I don't know where that idea comes from. David does it all the time. So complaint is where lament begins. Bring your questions to God. Be honest. Tell him how you honestly think and feel. That this is rubbish. (laughs) This is painful. This is confusing. And of course, when you do that, that itself is an act of faith. The very fact that you pray and turn to God is an expression of faith. It means you're not denying your suffering. You're not trying to bear it alone, nor are you giving in to despair. Honest, humble, pain-filled questions are part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But it's not just questions. Psalms of Lament give us permission to bring our frustrations to God as well. Um, Still in Psalm 10, the writer is outraged at the wicked actions of other people. Uh, In verses 2 to 11, he's got a long sort of section pouring out his frustration. The wicked man hunts down the weak. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. Um, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Uh, And he goes on and on quite a long section of just pouring out his frustration and his anger at the injustice and the unfairness in the world. And so lament gives us permission to bring that anger and frustration to God. So complaint uh, is the first step in lament, but we don't stay there. We, we move on to request. The second stage of lament is request, asking God to do something. Um, and here in psalm 13 david prays that god will look on him and answer give light to my eyes it's a prayer for give me understanding give me insight but he also wants god to deal with his enemies Um, in verse four don't let my enemy win intervene to stop him and if you look through lament psalms there are very there are different requests Um, So let me just give you a few examples. Chapter 10, verse 12. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Pray for God to rise up and to act, to do something. Fix what is wrong. Rise up, Lord, and act on behalf of the helpless. Um, We're just going to go fairly quickly through this. Psalm 6, verse 4. Uh, the prayer to turn, turn, Lord, and deliver me, save me because of your unfailing love. It's a request for God to act in deliverance save me, uh, rescue me, deliver me from this situation. Um, Psalm 25, verse 6. <clears throat> Pages are stuck. I'm going to have to lick my finger. I'm not supposed to do that, are you? So, Psalm 25, verse 6. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of all. When a prayer for God to remember means remember your promises, remember your covenant, uh, and be faithful, um, because God has expressed his purposes in promises. So when we say, Lord, remember, remember your promises, Lord, Um, and act to bring them about. Um, Psalm 83, verse 16. Uh, It's a prayer for justice in the face of cruelty and abuse. It's directed against those who are seeking to destroy Israel. It says, cover their faces with a shame, Lord, so that they will seek your name. May they ever be ashamed and dismayed. May they perish in disgrace. Let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. There is a a time and a place for that kind of prayer. Um, Let them know that you are God and that we are your people. Bring an end to their uh, cruelty um, and bring justice. Uh, Psalm 51, verse 1. This is uh, David after he committed adultery with uh, Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, Lord. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Sometimes there will be personal sin involved. uh, And when that is the case, then the right request is have mercy, God. Have mercy on me. Wash away. Cleanse me from my sin and restore my joy. Of course, not all suffering is the result of our sin, but sometimes the sin may be involved. And in that case, we pray like that. Psalm 51. Uh, Just a couple more examples. Psalm 80 and verse 3. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. That prayer to restore um, to make is, to means to make whole again. We can apply that personally to our own lives. Lord, make me whole. Uh, it can be our families. It can even be a, a nation. Lord, restore us. Bring us back to you. Make us whole. And then one more. Finally, Psalm thirty-five, twenty-three and twenty-four. It's just to give you a sort of a, an idea of the different kinds of request in lament psalms. Psalm 35, 23. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my Lord and God. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord my God. Do not let them gloat over me. It's the language of the law court. We're asking God to come and be our our attorney, to come and defend us, um, to prove him right against unfounded accusations. God, come and speak up for me. Defend me. So we need to think about our suffering and try to put it into words. What is it we want God to do? It might be obvious, Lord, bring me out of this. (laughs) Bring me out of this time of testing. Get me out of this situation. But it might be a prayer for God to do something else. Restore me, make me whole um, in body and in mind. The New Testament encourages us to bring our requests to God. Well, to Jesus, in fact, because Jesus is our great high priest. He's the man of sorrows. Jesus lived a life of lament. And many times when he quoted from the Old Testament, it was from a psalm of lament. It would be interesting to know the proportion of Old Testament quotes from Jesus, that how many of them are, are psalms of lament. It's quite a lot. It's as if he lived with these prayers on his mind and in his heart all the time. He allowed the prayers of the psalmist to become his own. And if it was good enough for Jesus... It's good enough for us. We do well to imitate him. But psalms of lament don't leave us wallowing in complaint. They give us permission to lay out our pain and call on God to intervene. No matter what the situation or how long the struggle, we need to keep asking. Ask for the grace, the mercy, the provision that we need. So a lament starts with complaint. We then make our requests to God. But we end up in trust. That's where we need to get to. Pain can be a platform for worship. And and a lament provides the pattern and the language that help us move from suffering to trust. It doesn't necessarily take the suffering away. It enables us to to navigate it. And the final step is the hardest because it's making the choice to keep on trusting even while suffering continues. Uh, One definition of lament said it's active patience. Active patience. It's how we endure. And if you look at Lament Psalms, there's a shift and that's usually indicated by little words like but yet or however you see it here in psalm 13 after he made his request verse 5 but i trust in your unfailing love and uh, we can see three affirmations of trust at the end of uh, psalm 13. i trust in your unfailing love speaking of God's steadfast love, his covenant love, that whatever happens to me, God isn't going to let me go. It's Romans 8 territory. Nothing can separate me from his love. And at the end of the day, the Christian life is a relationship of trust based on what we know and have experienced already. And we choose to believe that. We choose to believe that God is who he says he is and that His word is true. Ultimately, the proof of God's love for us is the cross. Romans 5 verse 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the the foundation of everything. That is how we know that we are loved. I trust in your unfailing love. But David goes on. My heart rejoices in your salvation. He's able to be joyful because he knows God is at work. Again Romans 8:28 In all things God works for the good of those who love him. Don't misquote that verse. It doesn't say all things work together for good. It says in all things God works for good. There's a very important distinction there. God does the working, not the things. Okay? And he is at work in salvation. He will finish what he started. He will complete his good work. He will bring us safely to glory and we can rejoice in that. And nothing that happens to me can change the fact of my salvation if I'm trusting in Christ. And then finally he says, I will sing of the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Lamenting leads to singing. Not because the pain has gone away but because uh, he's journeyed from complaint to trust. Lament, then, is how we live in this tension between a hard life and God's promises. Well, this is where I confess that I'm just the middleman. Most of what I've shared today comes from a book called Deep Clouds, Dark Mercy. No, let's get that right. Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, by Mark Rogop. Um, I am just a middleman. That's all I do. I read a lot and then pass it on. Nothing original. Um, <clears throat> so to conclude, why is lament so valuable and important? Um, it's a language for loss. Okay, it gives hurting people the words to express our pain. You don't know what to say. Use the psalms of lament. They give us a language. It's the solution for silence. You know, sometimes when we don't know how to break the silence, well, lament can crack the door open and show us a way back to talking to God again. It's a category for complaints. You know, that can be quite liberating for Christians to know that it's okay to talk to God like this, to be honest. It's a framework for feelings. There's a, there's a God-centered structure here to prevent us falling into self-centeredness and bitterness. It's a process for pain. That as we pray the laments, uh, that can be a daily journey with God as we process our, our pain. And then it's a way to worship. Worship doesn't have to be happy and upbeat. You know, it can be... Um, grief filled too so I encourage us all to learn how to lament uh, we need to do that individually and corporately I think on a personal level lament gets us reading the Bible it, it helps with grieving that, that process it, and it helps us overcome bitterness it facilitates confession and keeps us trusting But even if a psalm of lament isn't my own prayer, it will certainly be someone else's prayer. And and I think there's a place for corporate lament as well. I think it's something we need to think about. How do we include lament in our worship? Um, Something for us to explore. It makes us stronger. But the final thing I want to say, I mean, and I did, originally I was asked to do something on Proverbs as an alternative to Nehemiah. Um, But then I said, I'm conscious that a lot of people are really going through tough times at the moment. Uh, And I've been reading this book. So I said, well, I'll, I'll just share something on Psalms of Lament. So I hope that's timely. I hope it's something that we can take away and think about. But my final word is that lament is for this life only. That's the good news, isn't it? we believe that jesus death and resurrection has brought about the defeat of sin and all of its consequences pain sorrow and death itself and one day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the former things will have passed away and there will be singing in heaven but we won't be singing psalms of lament there won't be any need for that complaint and request will give way unbroken praise. That's the Christian hope. I can't wait for that day. I don't know about you.